I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be rounding up the latest Arsenal news. Uh, we're also going to be previewing the big game, uh, well, I say big game, the game, shall we say, uh, against Nottingham Forest at the weekend. We'll come on to how people are feeling about that in a little bit more detail a little bit later on in the programme. But I figured instead of doing the kind of rigid preview show that we normally do where, you know, we look at the the tactical side of the game, we we discuss the lineup in a lot of detail, we look at the statistics around the two teams and the season they're having. I think that what would be better this time around, and, and let me know in the in the chat if you disagree, but I thought what would be better this time around would be to kind of have more of a, a sort of loose discussion around the match and instead uh, focus on some of the news that's doing the rounds with regards to Arsenal at the moment, because there are so many stories out there floating around, so many conversations being had about how Arsenal take the next step forward, about how Arsenal look to move forward further and look to close the gap eventually on Manchester City, who have blown everyone away uh, within sight over the last few months. So this. A lot to break down. There's a lot to talk about on the agenda today. We're going to talk Declan Rice. We're going to talk Kieran Tierney. We're going to talk Joao Cancelo. We're going to chat Reese Nelson. We're going to talk Charlie Patino. We're going to be talking about the signing that Mikel Arteta has already made. Woof. And uh, we're going to be reviewing the best bits from Mikel Arteta's press conference, which took place earlier today, which a bit like what we're going to do here, seem to be more focused on the future and what Arsenal are going to do next, as opposed to the game uh, specifically. So a lot to get into. Uh, lots of you in the live chat with me already. Big hello to every single one of you who's joining us. I uh, hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Uh, big hello to Junior, who says that uh, Harry here's uh, hoping you had a great week. Hello, fellow Gooners. Uh, thank you very much, my friend. We've got Steve in the chat uh, with us. Junior went on to say uh, that he's eagerly awaiting the off-season to see who comes in. And I think a lot of people are in that mode now. I think the Nottingham Forest game, obviously, you know, you want to finish the season as strongly as possible. You want to finish with as, as small a gap as possible between us and Manchester City. We know that if we don't, you know, we know that if we lose the game, City can be crowned champions. Um, you know, we know that our result can basically crown them before they even take to the pitch on Sunday, which would be a bit of a shit way to kind of just die in the end, you know, to just kind of lay down our sword if you like but yeah um i think just everybody's mind is on the future what i will say is i'm looking forward to the wolves game at home in front of our own fans why because i think it's a great opportunity for us to to put across to the players to the manager to everybody involved what a wonderful job they've done this season how grateful we are for the progress how appreciative we are um for the fact that we were in the race and, and then we had a really exciting season because it has been an exciting season, right? And I know the last few weeks haven't been great. And I know that, you know, we've fallen quite a bit short in the end, but there have been some amazing moments this season. And, and you know, the last home game of the season gives you an opportunity to almost pay tribute to that, to, to show the players how much you appreciate it. I hope that 
plenty of people stay beyond the final whistle when the team do the lap of appreciation. Because I can tell you one thing, although we're going to end up this season empty-handed, this will be probably the most buzzing it's been during one of those laps of appreciation at Arsenal Football Club for a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed people turn up in their numbers and uh, people will turn up, but people stay back in their numbers to make sure that um, those guys get their uh, their send off. Uh, someone was asking, where am I um, when the stream was a couple of minutes uh, late, which it always is. I explain this over and over again. I'd made a joke that I was powdering my nose and Medi uh, very smartly responded with must have a lot of nose to powder. I'm Greek, mate. I've got a bit of a nose. It's just standard with us. Uh, big hello to Wandering Minstrel, to Sko, um, to Halo, to Nav, to Juno, uh, to Easton, to everybody in the live chat. Uh, as I say, hope you're all good. Hope you're well. Thank you for being alongside us. Right, where should we start? Should we start with Mikel Arteta's press conference or should we start with, with some of the stories that are doing the rounds? I think we should start with the press conference. Um, I think we should attack that first because I think a lot of what's said in the press conference is kind of relevant to some of the um, the stories that we're going to talk about. And, and they kind of tie in uh, together quite nicely. So let's do that first. Let's start with uh, looking through Mikel Arteta's press conference from earlier today. He discussed a variety of topics. He was asked about Ramsdale's new contract and whether Saka and Odegaard will follow suit. Now, of course, Aaron Ramsdale's uh, contract extension has already been confirmed by the club. We understand that the Bukayo Saka deal is done. We haven't had an announcement just yet on that. And we also understand that there are conversations ongoing um, with uh, Martin Odegaard's people as well. Mikel said, we're delighted with the news for Aaron. He fully deserves that new contract, that extension. And obviously, we want to keep our talent at the club and build on that. There are a few more that are very relevant for us to continue with that relationship. And we're working on that. He was asked at the latest on Zinchenko and Martinelli and the boss confirmed that both of those players will be out for the remainder of the season. He said it's different. Gabby's is a pretty nasty injury. We need to assess next week how long he'll be out for, but it will be weeks at least. With Alex, it's a calf issue and he won't be able to play in the next few games. We've talked about it quite a bit recently, but um, I am... I am worried about Sinchenko's fitness. I have serious concerns about his ability to stay fit and, and serious concerns about how we move forward in the left-back position. It's one of the positions that probably I would say is troubling me the most when I'm looking ahead to the new season and, and what we need to do and what we should do. It is um, it is a, a concern for me. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about why a little bit later on when we come to discuss Kieran Tierney's future. Mikel was asked about the Brighton stuff. Uh, he was asked about the fact that he's been nominated as one of the Premier League managers of the season. He said, obviously, it's great. It's a huge privilege. There are top, top managers in this division. And to be part of that is nice. Um, he was asked about there being more positives than negatives on the, of this season and sort of conveying that to the players. And he said, look, I just tried to paint the picture. We can look at the picture with a really narrow and thin vision, or we can have perspective of where we were, where we are today and what we've done. We cannot lose sight of what's happened in certain moments where we weren't at our best or at the level required to be the champions or be in the position we are in today. We have to acknowledge that as well. Obviously, the team, the players, everyone around the club deserves huge credit but for how far we've come in the season. But don't forget, there are still very, two very important games for us to play. 
Um, on if Arsenal will be title contenders uh, going into the new season. He said, we have shown this season and we are still there with two games to go. We could still be champions against probably the best team in the history of the Premier League for 10 months. And we are still there with two games to go. We're not going to bottle that. That's for sure. What happens next season will depend a lot on what we do, how we evolve and how we start. That prediction is very difficult to make today. So he kind of came across as semi-confident there, but obviously didn't want to commit um, to to too much there. Uh, He was asked whether he'll use the pain from this season as motivation for the next campaign. Uh, He didn't really um, sort of, I don't want to say he didn't take kindly to it because I I didn't think he he necessarily bit back or anything, but he kind of made the point of like, well, you know, you, you go through pain in football. You know, is this pain uh, what we're seeing now, you know, or or is it um, just part and parcel of football? And do we kind of need to look at the positives more than the negatives? Therefore, uh, maybe we'd see things in a slightly different light. And so perhaps when the dust settles, as I've suggested quite a bit recently, that, you know, the team might not feel pain. They might feel a sense of pride. There will be a tinge of pain because of where they were and the fact that they weren't able to go on and finish the job. But I think the overriding feeling has to be one of pride and hunger to go on to that next level. And I think that's a message that he really has to get across and drum into the players over the course of the summer months. Uh, On speculation about Granit Xhaka's future and the need for clarity around the situation, uh, he said the clarity is he's a player that has played nearly every minute since I've been the manager. He's an incredibly respected figure at the club. He has a great story around him with what he has achieved at the club, going through some very tough moments. He's a key and very important part of our squad. Whatever happens is certain is something we certainly won't discuss now. So he didn't exactly deny it, did he? Um, and obviously, Granit Xhaka has been heavily linked with a move back to Germany. Some reports suggesting that this is a personal thing, that it's what Granit Xhaka wants, it's what his family want, and that Arsenal although they'd prefer to keep hold of the player, knowing that they're not going to acquire a huge sum of money, um, you know, are, are quite willing to allow him to move on. Perhaps it was something that was discussed in the past. Perhaps it's something that's been discussed um, previously and, and agreed previously between Granit Xhaka and the club. Uh, so we don't really know. But Mikel Arteta had an opportunity to shut the links down with Granit Xhaka and Bayer Leverkusen, a return to Germany, etc. And he didn't. So that's quite telling for me, I think. Um, This was, for me, probably one of the most insightful answers uh, we've had from Mikel Arteta uh, around something like this. And I really enjoyed his response to this question. So the question was uh, whether the squad today could cope with both the Premier League and the Champions League next season. And he said, today... At the level that we want? No, we didn't have the capacity to do that with the Europa League. It's part of the evolution. We've made a lot of good steps, strong steps in that journey. We have to continue. That never ends. We have to be better and the rest will be better. The demands will be higher. We have to start and live with those standards, improve and be smarter. That doesn't just mean signing players. It's to improve our players. Um there are players we haven't had the best out of this season. It's our job to improve them because there are a few players who haven't had the minutes or the performances and we have to seek for those players to give us a different edge. It's not only about signing, it's about resources, staff and improving certain things that can be done better, more efficiently or smarter. So very 
straight to the point from Mikel Arteta. You know, we don't have the squad to compete on multiple fronts. That is a message to KSE, um, which says, if you want me to compete at the top level, which means competing on multiple fronts, I need more. And I thought it was a clear message to the fans, which says that Mikel Arteta understands, acknowledges and knows where Arsenal are at, what their limitations are. The fact that he dropped that comment in about the Europa League kind of backs up what a lot of us have been saying over the course of the season, which was not that Mikel Arteta wanted to throw the Europa League or that he disrespected it, but he didn't believe he had enough of a squad and enough depth to be able to take some of the risks that he might have taken had he had better backup and better support in some of the positions. So I wasn't surprised to hear that. Um, I was surprised he didn't dance around the question a little bit on this one. Um, you know, I, I was surprised he didn't kind of go, well, you know, if we keep improving, we can, we can, we can close that gap a little bit. And obviously we have to learn and it's part and parcel of playing at the top means you're going to play a couple of games a week, sometimes three within the space of a week. He was very, very clear and very, very blunt if we're being honest about the fact that he knows that this squad needs more. So not just a message to the ownership and the people controlling the purse strings, but I thought that was a message to the fans as well. He was asked about William Saliba's future. He said, we are trying, we are having conversations and we're trying to maintain the talent we have at the club. But these things take time. There are different parties involved. And I think everybody's intention is the same. Hopefully we will find the right solution. So those are kind of the main points. Uh, from Mikel Arteta's press conference, which took place at London Colney earlier on today, ahead of uh, the game with Nottingham Forest at the city ground tomorrow evening. Now, um, yeah, I, I kind of like, I want to talk about the game, but I also want to talk about the other stuff as well, because I feel like that is probably what people are more interested in at this moment in time. But let's do a little bit on the game before we dive into the transfer chat and all of that, because I know once we get into that, it's going to kind of take us on a bit of a ride and on a few tangents. So probably best that we cover off the game first. Obviously, Nottingham Forest need the points. Uh, they're battling for survival down at the bottom of the Premier League. Um, I think they're in a decent position now to go on and, and secure that. And if I were a Forest fan, I'd really fancy my chances going up against Arsenal tomorrow because of uh, the fact that, you know, the league is lost and because of the fact that, you know, that Arsenal are probably feeling a little bit sorry for themselves at the moment. We've got some players missing. Zinchenko and Tierney are out as well. We've we've discussed that. There's a few players in that 11, even sort of knowing that those two aren't going to be involved, that haven't necessarily been as good as we know they can be haven't been at the level that we've come to expect from them over the course uh, of the season. So, um, yeah, if I were a Forest fan, I'd really, really fancy my chances at the city ground. The atmosphere is going to be rocking. Um, we've been there and experienced that atmosphere before and crumbled under it. I know they were weaker Arsenal sides. And I seem to remember, was it Laconga and Patino playing there in midfield in the cup the last time we got beat there? But it, it, it's just a game that I don't fancy as an Arsenal fan. I've got to be honest with you. And maybe that's partly because I feel down in the dumps about where we're at and, and how things unraveled and uh, and have got to this point. You'd hope that professional footballers wouldn't feel the same way and would be able to motivate themselves and block it all out and and sort of just go out there and, and do the job in hand and, and, and sort of hopefully go on and get the result that we all want to see them get. I'd like to finish the season feeling better about things. And the only way we're going to feel better 
um, is by putting more points on the board. And when we read the table come the end of the campaign, if we see that that gap between Manchester City is very respectable, uh, between Manchester City and ourselves, that is, I think that gives us encouragement. That gives us a sort of idea of how much we need to improve by next season. So if we're five points off, if we're four points off, we know what the difference is. And I think sometimes to have that put into numbers and to have that broken down in a really kind of simplistic way, I think can give you the kind of clarity mentally that you you need to go on and push and, and to go to that next level. Um, I've put down the team that I would uh, expect Mikel Arteta. No, sorry, this is the team that I would like him to play, not the team that I expect him to play. Let me just be clear on that. So let me share this um, with you guys now. Hold on a second. Um, how have I managed to bring up that? There we go. Is that better? Yeah, I think so. Right, so my team... Uh, to face them tomorrow would be Ramsdale in goal. My back four wouldn't change. White, Kivior, Gabriel and Kierantini would come in. Obviously, Zinchenko still absent as confirmed by Mikel Arteta and he will be uh, until the end of the campaign. In midfield, um, I'd bring Partey back in the team. I thought Jorginho was completely overrun against Brighton the other day and I, you know, I spoke about it after the match. I felt like it kind of highlighted the reasons why Jorginho was never anything more than a backup option for Arsenal. Had a few good games from the start, but generally speaking, when you come up against the better opposition and sides of a higher level, he is going to be found out. Uh, Xhaka and Odegaard make up the rest of my midfield. On the left, in the absence of Martinelli, I've gone with Reese Nelson. I didn't think Leandro Trossard was all that effective against Brighton the other day. I know a lot of people um, sort of have waxed lyrical about the impact that he's had, and I'm not trying to take away from the overall impact that the Belgians had since arriving at the football club. But I just think every time Reese Nelson's on the pitch, he looks lively, he looks sharp, he looks like he can cause people problems, and particularly when he plays from that left-hand side. So for me, I would probably go with Reese Nelson. If you have to get Leandro Trossard in the side, I wouldn't be against Bukayo Saka dropping out of the 11 this weekend because he is one that looks absolutely exhausted. Exhausted. And so if Trossard has to come in, I'd stick him on the right. But for me, it would be Saka and Gabriel Jesus would lead the line. So that would be my Arsenal team to face Nottingham Forest this weekend. Do I expect Reese Nelson to start? Probably not. Um, will Thomas Partey come back into the starting lineup? Not sure. Uh, but that's what I would do. Partey in midfield alongside Jacker and Odegaard, Saka from the right, Nelson from the left, Jesus through the middle, and then the back four comprises of Tierney, Gabriel, Kivior, and White with Aaron Ramsdale, who's just signed a long-term contract, as we discussed on yesterday's episode, In Between the Sticks. So, um, yeah, that's what I do. Let's have a look at the comments, because the comments section uh, seems to be popping off at the moment. Are you asking me stuff? Are you talking about the stuff uh, I've put, or is it... Um, or is it people having a go at me? Let's have a look. Uh, Samson says, uh, hello, I'm an Arsenal fan from Tanzania in East Africa. Love the show and like your content. Thanks for the energy to keep the show uh, continuing. I listen to you at TalkSport. Pass my greetings to all the presenters there. Thank you so much, Samson. And I will do, mate. Really, really do uh, appreciate your kind words. Uh, Junior Howell says, smash that like button, folks. Become the Hulk smash. That's it. Uh, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. You wouldn't believe how much it helped in terms of the YouTube algorithm. So if you haven't done so already, then please, please do. Um, Jacob says, I agree with that 11. Um, 
it's good to see I'm not the only one that, that thinks that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, just on the Xhaka thing, KC Clip says, selling Xhaka is a big mistake, in my opinion. Great squad player and most consistent player in our midfield. If we buy Rice and he's injured, then what? Vieira isn't good enough. And yeah, I mean, without wanting to go over the same ground that we've been going over over the past couple of weeks, I'm pretty much of the same opinion. You know, um, we should be building on the squad that we have, not ripping parts out to replace other parts. We've got the foundation, but it needs more. It doesn't need necessarily so many replacements. It needs more um, sort of backup in a lot of areas and, and backup. If you buy the right players equals competition and competition equals high level performance um, and the ability to rotate, which is going to be needed going into next season, you feel. Um, right. Anyway, um, so that's kind of my thoughts on on the team, on the starting 11, uh, what Mikel Arteta should be thinking about, looking at going into this game. I'm going to take a very, very short pause, bring you a quick message from our sponsors, and then uh, we're going to talk transfers. We're going to talk Kieran Tierney. We're going to talk Declan Rice, Joao Cancelo, Charlie Patino. Uh, we're going to be talking about Arteta's reaction to the Brighton game, uh, which a report has come out around today. Uh, we'll get into that. And we'll also be talking about the signing that Mikel Arteta has actually completed. He's already arrived at London Colney. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But before that, a quick message from our sponsors. Hey, everybody, don't forget that the Chronicles of Aguna podcast is currently sponsored by the good people over at NordVPN, the best, the premium virtual private network service. NordVPN gives you an added layer of security when surfing the World Wide Web. And if you're someone who travels a lot, uses public Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera, then it is very, very beneficial. Uh, on top of that, it allows you to change your virtual location almost tricking your browser into thinking that you are somewhere else. But what does that do? It opens a load of possibilities when you are surfing the internet. You can access subscriptions, uh, films, TV series, uh, live streams, uh, all sorts of content that would normally be geo-blocked in your region. For me, it's a godsend. When I fancy watching a bit of Greek TV, when I fancy watching a series that uh, my family are talking about, I can't access the iPlayers of the various channels from here in the UK because I find a geo block in front of me. What I can do with NordVPN is I can change my virtual location and that allows me to access whatever I want. Now, obviously, you don't have to get on a plane and fly to these places to be able to do that. But if you wanted to get on a plane and fly to any of these places, you could change your virtual location and search for flights from the destination that you intend to end up in. And what can that mean? That can mean cheaper tickets in some cases. So surf the web with a NordVPN account, and I promise you it opens a whole new load of doors and uh, and you'll really enjoy it, I'm sure. I love it. I couldn't live without it now. Um, six months ago, I didn't know what it was, and now I'm hooked um, and I'm probably the biggest advocate for it out there. What does it cost? It costs the price of a cup of coffee per month, so not significant um, in that sense. And you know, it, it does, as I say, open a load of doors. NordVPN are currently sponsoring the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We thank them very much for their support. If you uh, fancy uh, signing up to the service and you want to get hold of your huge discount, as well as four months additional at the end of your plan, 
then please do visit the link in the description, nordvpn.com forward slash Chronicles AFC and sign up via that. Uh, we thank them for their kind sponsorship and support of the podcast. And we thank you guys as well uh, for listening. We'll be back in a moment with some more football chat. Okay, we are back, baby. We are back. Let's do uh, some of these transfer stories then. Let's do uh, some of this transfer chat. You know what we're going to do first, actually? We're going to start off uh, by uh, picking up some of the key points from a David Ornstein piece uh, that went out today, I believe. Let me just bring it up on my phone because um, I did screenshot this. Here we go. So the key points from uh, a David Ornstein interview, sorry, not a written piece. Um, this is what we've we've kind of taken away. So Declan Rice, let's talk Declan Rice. He is the priority, apparently, this summer. He is the one that Arsenal really, really want. He is the one that Arsenal are currently holding internal discussions over, and he is the one that they are planning to swoop in for. Now, I've heard um that the the all this talk about arsenal being confident of getting him is something that's being briefed by arsenal themselves i don't know you know how that goes down with the selling club i don't know what that means in terms of the the positions from which arsenal and west ham will be negotiating off the back of that i don't even know if it has any impact whatsoever but i understand that it is arsenal uh, that have been briefing uh, the media with this sort of line of Arsenal are quite confident that they can go uh, and get Declan Rice in the door uh, between now and the end of the summer transfer window. Uh, we also heard yesterday, I think it was Fabrizio Romano reported that we are preparing a bid of around about £92 million. Pounds. Now that is obviously below uh, what West Ham are looking for. Uh, my colleague Graham Bailey uh, and my uh, other colleague Toby Cudworth at 90 Min, who is very, very good at West Ham stuff, uh, is a West Ham fan, is very close uh, to the club. He said uh, that West Ham definitely want £100 million and are not going to budge for anything less than that. Arsenal have frustrated us in the past when they've been reluctant to meet asking prices. You know what the price is. If you really want the player, go out and pay it. We know Arsenal don't negotiate like that. We know Arsenal like to start um, from slightly behind and then look to maybe build it up if they have to. I think something that's going to be really significant in whether or not we can get this deal done is how much of the 100 million or, or, or you know, as close to that as, as is agreed, how much of that is going to be paid up front. I think that's something that West Ham will want to know. And I think that's something that West Ham will look to force in their favour because obviously they want to be able to go and um, and replace the player. They want to be able to have that cash to be able to dip into the transfer market themselves. West Ham need a bit of a rebuild. You know, they've they've done well under David Moyes. They've had a couple of disappointing league campaigns, but they've reached another um you know, latter stage of a European competition. They went to the semi-final uh, of the Europa League last season where they were unfortunately beaten, I think, or unfortunately for them, uh, by, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt that beat them. And um, and this time they're in the final of the Europa Conference League where they're going to meet Fiorentina. So, you know, on the European stage, West Ham have improved dramatically. But looking at their league performances, looking at the fact that, you know, that's dropped off. That's been a problem that some of the major signings they've made in recent years haven't really worked. You feel as though they'll be looking at the summer as a really big and important one. 
and you'll feel like they want to make it as much money as they possibly can so that they can fund this West Ham revolution. Who it's going to be headed up by, we don't know. Uh, the chances are, I would say, that David Moyes moves on. Um, David Moyes has been speaking, actually, about Declan Rice's future quite a bit of late, and there is a, a sort of resignation in his tone uh, with regards to the fact that West Ham are probably going to have to allow the player to go, but they'll want to get as much money as possible. And whilst maybe three, four weeks ago, I felt like we might have had a free run uh, to Declan Rice as long as we'd meet the asking price. The more I think about this and the more I look at the state of some of the other clubs in and around us, the more I think that actually it may be a little bit of a bidding war. And so Arsenal can't afford to be A, too slow on this, can't afford to upset or annoy West Ham United by, you know, being Arsenal in terms of the way that they bid, um, which is, you know, upset clubs in the past before. For me, we if we think that this is the guy, if, if Arsenal believe that Declan Rice is the man to come in and take this midfield and this team up to the next level, then go and buy him. And if they want £100 million, go and pay him £100 million. The structure of that deal, I don't know what that needs to be, what it should be. I, You know, we don't always know exactly how these deals are structured. So I think it's difficult for us to always be able to tell you what the norm is around these things. But if you believe Declan Rice is the man and you're willing to pay £92 million, as is being reported by Fabrizio Romano, then why aren't you willing to pay £100 million? That's what I would say. For me, there's a real need to go out and get this deal done quickly, swiftly. I'm also not naive enough to think, though, that these things can't at times rumble on. We've been there before. We've experienced it before. I'm not stupid enough to think that the day the transfer window opens, within a day of that, we're going to hear an announcement about Declan Rice. But, you know, if you really do believe this is the guy, if you are briefing the media about your intentions to go out and sign him, if you feel he is a transformative level of player, then go out and do it, Arsenal. And if it costs seven, eight, even nine, even 10 million pounds more than your initial bid, just do it. Save yourselves the trouble. Save yourselves the time. Stop messing around. Because the longer it goes on, the more difficult it becomes. The more power you give to West Ham United, the more you fuel the temptation of other clubs who will be looking at it and going, hold on a minute, we thought Arsenal were going to get Declan Rice. But I tell you what, they're struggling with these negotiations. Opportunity for us to jump in. We know that Chelsea in particular love to do that. They love to watch situations from afar and then they come in with ridiculous offers, ridiculous bids, offering people seven, eight, nine, ten year contracts here, there and everywhere. And often they get their players. So I, I just want to see Arsenal move quite swiftly on this. And again, you know, I say that from a place of want, not from a place of what I expect necessarily, because I know that these things can take time. And, um, you know, we've we've often discussed this on this show during transfer windows. So, um, yeah, uh, let's see what we got in the chat with regards to the Rice situation. Stuart says, do you think if they win the Conference League and therefore earn Europa League qualification, they up the price for Rice? Um, I think they're probably at a point with Declan Rice where, you know, there's been amicable talks between him and the club. And there is there is now an agreement in place that will allow him to leave. And I think there will have been a figure discussed. There will have been a price discussed. Declan Rice's people, I'm sure, will be putting that price out to the clubs that Declan Rice is interested in joining, hopefully, um, of which one is Arsenal Football Club. 
And, you know, I think that the negotiations need to be done in a way that sort of honours the relationship between Declan Rice and West Ham United as well. I know that it's business and people often say business is business and it supersedes everything. But I think there will have been a figure discussed. I, I don't really see um, Europa League qualification making too much difference because if anything, what that does is it fills West Ham's pockets even more. It ups their kind of um, their revenue. It, it increases their incomings. And off the back of that, it probably actually relieves the pressure on them um, in terms of trying to go out there and get the absolute maximum for Declan Rice. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, name says also, uh, if we want Caicedo too, Rice needs to be done fast so we can move on. Some of these negotiations are going to be pretty easy, pretty swift, pretty quick. Some of them are going to be really, really difficult. And you want to be able to do as many of the deals as you can early so that then you can focus on the next phase and the next player, the next target, and you can put your heart and soul uh, into those and uh, uh, make sure that those deals get done. Uh, Debjit says, I'm sure there are informal talks already with West Ham and we've bid £92 million for a reason. They may be publicly posturing for £100 million plus, but would accept an offer around 90 to £95 million. I think that's true. I, I think that's probably true. But at the same time, you know, for me, you just go out and you get it done. And and actually, although you might overspend four, five, six million pounds, the fact that you're then free to negotiate other deals and have longer to negotiate some of the other deals that you're interested in doing probably means that you save a few quid on some of those. And so actually, it probably offsets itself and you probably balance things out that way. But hey, um, that's the latest on Declan Rice, player I like, um, player I want us to sign now. Wasn't so sure about him. Um, I have to say that maybe a year ago, wasn't sure exactly where he'd fit into this Arsenal team. Couldn't make my mind up if he was a six or an eight. I think he can play both of those positions, which makes him a good asset. Um, but yeah, the more I see of him, the more impressed I am, the more I think he's a leader, the more I enjoy his physicality, his strength. And uh, and the more I think that under the right coach, he can really go on to a, a, another higher, greater level. Now, obviously, Declan Rice has been spoken about a lot over the last few days. Another midfielder that we were linked with in January that we tried to sign in January was Moises Caicedo. According to David Ornstein, Arsenal's interest in him has not diminished. Now, we keep talking about this. Can Arsenal go out and get both? I think it's going to be really tough financially to do that. I really, really do. And it's not because I don't want them. I'd love for them both to come in. And I think if Granit Xhaka is going to leave, then we definitely need at least more than one in and we need two in. Um, so, yeah, this is interesting. David Ornstein also said that Romeo Lavia is, and I quote, admired um, by Arsenal Football Club. Could he be an option? My issue with Romeo Lavia is that I don't think he's ready yet. And I know he's played in the Premier League and some people say, well, it's Premier League proven, you know, whatever. At the high level, at the higher level, at the highest level, I don't think he's ready. I think Declan Rice has proven in the Premier League that he's ready for the next step up. I think Moises Caicedo has proven for the most part that he's ready for the next step up. I do not feel like Romeo Lavia has done that just yet, has completed that just yet, has accomplished that just yet. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure he will eventually. Looks a talented boy. It looks like he's got bags and bags of ability. But at this moment in time, 
you know, if they're asking 40, 50 million pounds for him, would you pay that? Because I wouldn't. Um, but hey, that's just me. Uh, according to David Ornstein, Mason Mount uh, remains uh, an Arsenal target and he is uh, somebody on their list. Uh, we always hear, don't we, about the list. Um, Fabrizio Romano loves to talk about the list and uh, according to David Ornstein, Mason Mount is very much on it. Uh, he also said that Arsenal could look for a right back slash centre back hybrid. Um, which makes a lot of sense, given that Mikel likes to play with centre-halves at fullback, back uh, particularly on the right side for Arsenal. And obviously, Tommy Asu's injury is a problem, probably will continue to be a problem for a long time. Ben White can't do it all day by himself. We probably want to move Rob Holding on, in which Ben White becomes someone added to the pool of centre-backs again as well as he was when he first arrived. And so, yeah, I think this this makes a lot of sense. He also said that there is big expenditure expected. So Arsenal expected to go out this summer and um, and fork out some serious money in order to try and move forward and close that gap on, of course, the juggernaut that is Manchester City. Right. Uh, what else have we got? Let's talk uh, Joao Cancelo just briefly. Now, I don't think this is going to happen. We've talked about it before, um, but it is a rumour. And it is a story um, that, for me, isn't going away. It's just not going away. Um, could Arsenal potentially move for him? He is someone that could play in the inverted fullback role. We know he's someone that could play midfield if you need him to. He can cover on the right and the left, which I think could prove quite important, given that Zinchenko's often injured. I haven't got an issue with this signing. If it was to be done, my only question would be around the price, which is obviously a big, significant question when you're talking about a transfer. But, um, but at the same time, you know, you you kind of have to see how the land lays. Um, you know, once you get into the transfer market, now obviously Bayern have an option to buy him for sixty million euros. We know they're not going to take that up. It doesn't necessarily mean that City won't sell him for anything less than that. But also when you think about what happened last summer where they sold us a couple of players that really contributed to us elevating our level, so much so that they almost didn't win the Premier League title, you have to ask yourself the question, will they be willing to sell to us again? And the answer is probably on that one, no. But those reports, as I say, not going away. Wanted to touch quickly on Reese Nelson. Uh, from what we understand, Arsenal is still trying to convince him to sign some kind of contract extension. Of course, his deal runs out at the end of the season. Uh, links to Brighton and Hove Albion, who are said to have opened uh, discussions with him. I think that would be a great move for Reese Nelson on a personal level. But I don't really want to see Reese Nelson go. Um, and the reason I don't want to see Reese Nelson go is because he's not someone that we're going to generate money from. It'll be a free transfer, which makes it quite, um, quite sad and makes it quite difficult to take, I think, because you look at a talent walking away and you think, damn, we could have got either more out of him or more money out of him. And, um, you know, you think about Joe Willock. I mean, I remember when Joe Willock left thinking, I'm a bit sad about this because I do think there's a player in there. He's proven that there very much was and he is. Uh, he's having a great time at Newcastle United. But when an offer of 30, 35 million pound came in, you felt like that was OK. You felt like that was ample compensation for allowing this guy who clearly has talent to move on. With Reese Nelson, it feels like a real kick in the balls that we're not going to get anything for him 
um, if he chooses to leave this summer. But look, Arsenal made their intentions clear. They're still trying to keep him. There's still uh, ongoing negotiations between the two parties. Hopefully, we can come to some sort of resolution on that that works for everybody. Uh, Charlie Patino, uh, there was lots of uproar. I think it was a couple of weeks ago now when a report emerged that he could be on his way from Emirates Stadium. And uh, it looks as though his exit is very, very likely now. What we understand, though, is that Arsenal are working hard to try and put some sort of buyback clause in any permanent deal that is done for Patino, uh, which is interesting. Very Chelsea of us, very Manchester City of us. Um, I've been teasing kind of all throughout the show. Uh, that Mikel Arteta has already made a sign-in. I'm sure uh, lots of you would have um, would have read about this online, lots of rival fans, of course, as they do, wanting to jump on the bandwagon, have a bit of a laugh, have a bit of a giggle. Uh, Arsenal have brought a, a chocolate-coloured Labrador uh, into uh, the training ground at London Coney. Uh, Mikel Arteta doing that off the back of some research from what the report says. Don't know how true this is, that people um, sort of de-stress uh, when they um, when they stroke dogs, um, I think the dog's called Win as well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, bit outside the box, bit wacky for me. Uh, but you know, I also don't think this is as big a deal as some people have made it out to be. Where they've obviously jumped on social media, had a real go at Arsenal, and wanted to stick the boot in. But hey, um, that's uh, that's that. Uh, we also understand that following Balogun uh, is more likely to leave this summer than Eddie and Ketia, uh, which would disappoint a lot of people because there are a lot of fans out there that have followed his career um, quite closely, that have watched him go over to France with Rem and, and play very, very well and, and score goals. And, and we're kind of feeling that he could come back, whether that be as part of a, a sort of three-man striker setup or uh, whether that could be... Um, you know, something that means the end of Eddie and Ketia's Arsenal career. According to reports today, though, it's more likely that Balogun be sold than Eddie and Ketia. And I think that makes sense. If you're looking to generate revenue and funds, Balogun is the one who's hot right now. Eddie's not, unfortunately. Hasn't played an awful lot of football uh, of late. Um, obviously came into the side in Gabriel Jesus's absence, did a wonderful job, but isn't at his level. We've all seen that. We all know that. We all acknowledge that. Um, somebody like Balogun has gone out, earned his stripes and now has probably the majority of Europe looking at him. So fair play to him. You know, um, what Arsenal just have to make sure they do is that they're compensated in the right way um, for a deal involving uh, the, of course, now declared U.S. men's national team international following Balogun. Right. Very, very quick pause again. And then. Your questions from the live chat. So start flooding them. Uh, proper little cue at the beginning and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I hope you're all good. hope you're all well. Um, let's take some questions. And Halo Mateus followed this question up by saying, good question. So it must be a good question. Therefore, we must answer it. It comes from Sko. Uh, he says, Harry, Caicedo has been playing right back for Brighton recently. Wouldn't it make sense to get him to rotate at six and right back while Rice could replace Xhaka if he is leaving would be a good statement? I've got to be honest. I don't think Caicedo looks comfortable at right back. Now, maybe it's because I'm judging him on uh, what I saw of last night's game. And granted, I didn't watch every single minute of it, but I did see quite a bit of it. And I thought he struggled there dealing with Alexander Isak and then when sort of Callum Wilson would drift out there. Caicedo for me is not a right back. And 
you almost run the risk of a sort of buying jacks of all trades and masters of none. And, you know, I think we've discussed that in the past. Caicedo for me is a central midfield player. And if he's been, if he's being brought in this summer, if he's going to come in, it's to play there and nowhere else. Um, having the ability to fill in in multiple positions is obviously handy and helpful and obviously puts us in a strong position um, when we kind of want to shake things up a little bit or when we have injuries. But um, he, for me, is is a, a central midfield player. So I think he's just filling in at right back. I think he's done an OK job for the most part, but he has looked exposed at times as well. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Robert on the uh, Balogun slash Eddie stuff says, I think we've seen everything Eddie can do. I've got a gut feeling we're making a mistake selling Balogun instead of Eddie. And I won't argue with anyone that feels that way because there's a part of me that feels that way as well. There's a part of me that looks at Balogun and thinks he could be amazing. He could be brilliant. This could be a star in the making. But at the same time, there's a part of me that looks at him um, and thinks in the French League, a lot of them are penalties. Maybe it's just a bit of a purple patch. And why aren't more clubs circling if he was that unbelievably good? So, um, as I say, it's about striking while the iron's hot when you're trying to sell players. Balogun, after the season that he's just had, will certainly command more value than Eddie Nketiah. And as a result of that, it might make more sense to sell him if that means that we can then strengthen in other areas that you would probably argue are, are a sort of greater priority but yeah um, i'm going to take one more um i'm going to take one more before i uh go off into the sunset i am shattered today do you know what so quick one while you guys are chucking in some more questions um i had a really really busy day at work today uh, loads on my plate loads of stuff coming through constantly and um Around about lunchtime, I felt hungry. I felt like I needed some chill time. I felt like I needed just a, a bit of time to unwind and relax. So whenever I feel like that, I go around to my grandparents because it's just so quiet there. There's no kids running about, nobody shouting. My grandmother's serving me drinks, lunch. She's brilliant. But it just, it kind of calms me down and chills me out. So I went and sat around there with my laptop and did a bit of work this afternoon. But the problem is I've relaxed so much that since I've come home from there and everybody's loud and rowdy because I've got a, a one and a half year old and a four year old and, and my poor wife's chasing around behind them trying to keep them both in check whilst cooking dinner and all the other rest of it. I just feel so relaxed now that I could fall asleep and I could go into another world, which is, um, yeah. Not ideal when you're in the middle of a live podcast. Uh, just going on um, from Rob's point about sort of Balogun, Eddie, and kind of my response to that. He says, Harry, then sell both Eddie and Balogun and get a bloody good striker. I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't be against that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be against that uh, at all. Um, so, yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, what else have we got? What else have we got? What else have we got? Um, Russ says, Harry, I almost feel sorry for you. <laughs> 
yeah i'm i i don't know why i even told you guys that story it was like i was fishing for sympathy i, I promise you i wasn't i was just trying to explain why like i look like i'm going into like a daze or falling asleep i was so relaxed and chilled um sko says ossiman anyone i'd love him but the price is going to be killer um it, it really really is and um although i do think we need another striker in the whole sort of makeup of the squad I think because we are a team that scores goals from all different parts of the pitch, because we have a, a very good sort of play connector in Gabriel Jesus, and because we have, um, of course, uh, Eddie Nketiah, who came in and did a, a relatively good job in, in Jesus's absence, I don't see it being right at the top of our priority list. Therefore, I couldn't justify this summer spending upwards of eighty million on on a centre forward. That's just my opinion. Um, and I don't think the team will either. I don't think the club will either. Um, I think that they will look at other areas and feel they're probably more important. And um, and so, yeah, um, it's a bit of a dream. It'd be, a, it'd be nice, but I just don't see it right now. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Halo says, in my mind is the question, if Saliba didn't get injured, how would this season have turned out? So... I don't think we'd have dropped as many points had um, William Saliba stayed fit. I think we wouldn't have struggled to maintain our game style, game model, because we'd have had a centre-back comfortable pushing up the pitch. Obviously, with Kivior coming into the side, it's allowed us to go back to our sort of preferred game model, which has provided some better results, although there have been games like the Brighton one. Um, in there as well. But uh, look, I'm not downplaying the absence of William Saliba because I've been sitting on here banging on about how important that's been for, for months now. But what I will say is, is I think that we began to get sloppy defensively based on the standards we'd set at the start of the season, even when William Saliba was available. I looked at us at the beginning of the campaign and I thought, we're not going to concede from set pieces. And we one hell of a threat at the other end. If you fast forward, we've been less effective from set pieces as an attacking force. And we've been really, really vulnerable when defending them. And so something's gone wrong there. And, and for me, that's bigger than just William Silly. But again, I'm not playing down the significance of his absence. But I do feel like aside from that, and even prior to that injury, there was just signs that Arsenal defensively were going off of the boil a little bit, weren't as concentrated. Maybe the unit wasn't as cohesive, as coherent. Maybe people had sussed us out. You have to factor in that as well. But yeah, um, yeah, that's um, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, Name says, Harry, do you think this whole two quality midfielders news is coming out as, as PR because of the recent form? Maybe um, got the season ticket renewal. Uh, emails uh, yesterday as well which um you know if you're a real cynic you'll think is is uh, always sort of accompanied by some big rumors about big players um to try and get people excited i don't know um but look i do think arsenal were in the market for one top class midfielder i think if granite Xhaka is going to leave they need to be in the market for two so i don't see it as just pr at this moment in time but obviously they have to follow through and they have to deliver. And that's the big thing. Uh, Russ says, do you see us completing deals for both Caicedo and Rice or do you see us spending big on one of them and using money elsewhere? 
I find it hard to believe that we're going to get Rice and Caicedo. If we did it, I'd be over the moon. I'd be delighted. I'd be jumping up and down. Don't see it, though, right now. I see us going big on one midfielder and maybe trying to plug a hole somewhere else with someone uh, a little bit less expensive. Um, hopefully, that doesn't mean a real drop-off in quality. Otherwise, it would defeat the object. But, you know, you, I just find it hard to believe that Arsenal could end up spending. Like, if you listen to what... Brighton are said to be wanting for Caicedo and then you listen to what West Ham are said to be wanting for Declan Rice you're talking about something in the region of 200 million pounds uh, to bring those two players into the club what room does that then allow you uh, in terms of your financial maneuvers to be able to go out and get uh, another defender which we clearly need uh, to bring in another winger which I think we need to bring in another centre forward which I think we could do with you know, I don't even think Matt Turner's a good enough second-choice goalkeeper, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, again, not because I think he's a terrible shot-stopper, but stylistically, he's not Aaron Ramsdale. Um, I was very, very surprised that we bought him in the first place because of what I, I knew about his style. Every time I spoke to anybody that was across the MLS, uh, they'd always say to me, I, I don't really understand this link. Um, I don't understand why... You've got a goalkeeper like Aaron Ramsdale, who's incredibly comfortable with his feet. You've made that a big part of your game. And then you've gone and signed Matt Turner, who with his gloves is fantastic. But with his feet, there are serious questions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's my take on that. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Sean says, Harry, do you know when Arsenal uh, release their kits for the next season? I'm not sure exactly, mate. I don't think the dates have been put out there. Uh, into the public domain just yet but as soon as they are we'll um we'll update you uh of course on this show but i think we're going to leave it there um i think we're going to leave it there thank you for all your brilliant questions all your interaction throughout the show as always please please do leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already let's try and get up to 100 likes by the time we say goodbye remember check out nordvpn check out the chronicles of aguna premium if you like the links are in the description of both of those things and we'll be back very, very soon with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great Friday night. Um, enjoy your Saturday, of course, up until the game, upon which, at that point, it's out of your hands. And I'll see you all very, very soon. Until then, goodbye. Take care, guys. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.